1: Your life.
2: Welcome to Business of Being Black with Tammy Mac. I'm Tammy Mac. It's Friday. Woo! Can I get a round of applause from the panel, please, for Friday? Uh, there it is. There it is. Show you're alive here. Come on, people. The business <laughs> of being Black today is the January 6th committee hearings and what it means for Republicans and the country. Plus, you won't believe the reason why Geico was ordered to pay a huge amount of money to a woman who was not even a policyholder. Believe me, you don't want to miss this story. And wait until you find out which trailblazer has become the first Black woman to have ownership in the NFL. Yes black woman. Mm. And then there's some dispute about that too. We'll get into that as well. So get ready for another round of the political and trending highlights of the week. Please welcome my Friday co-host, activist, and radio personality, Dominique DePrima. Hi, Dominique. Hi, Tammy Mac. Happy Friday. Happy <laughs> Juneteenth, girl. Happy Juneteenth. Happy Juneteenth. Happy Father's Day. <laughs> oh, All of that, right? Political analyst Ed Sanders, happy Father's Day.
1: Thank you. Happy Friday as well.
2: And the president and founder of Oleka Management Consulting, Dr. O.J. Oleka. Happy Father's
0: Day. Thanks, Tammy Mac. Happy Juneteenth.
2: Yes. And happy Father's Day to our producer, Avi Bernard. Uh, This is, well, I think this will be his first Father's Day, if I'm not mistaken. I think is his first father's day. So, oh. All right, let's get into it everybody. Um last Thursday kicked off the first of a series of public hearings for the House Select Committee to investigate the January 6th attack on the US Capitol. The January 6th assault is one of the worst attacks on the American government in over a century. The committee will outline the evidence of an all around effort to violently disrupt the peaceful transfer of power and overturn the will of the people. There are certain calls or are calls for the prosecution of the leaders who uh, were involved. So if these upper echelons of government are found criminally accountable for this attack, will they be penalized? And if so, to what extent? Will these hearings, though, what I really wanna know is will these hearings and do they even matter if only for record,
3: you know, Dominique? Yeah, I think they matter. I I have heard this conversation because folks are skeptical that the Department of Justice will ever bring charges, even though I personally think they should. And I think the committee's done an amazing job of making the case in detail of what they could bring, but even if they don't, it's important for the historical record and it's important for the American people, especially when we continue to contend with different iterations of the big lie. It's important to have the big truth and the receipts and the committee is bringing receipts. They are definitely bringing some
2: receipts. I mean, come on. Uh, Could the hearings cause more Republicans to leave the GOP, Dr. Oleka?
0: No. It won't cause Republicans to leave the Republican Party uh, because people are pretty much set on this in terms of what they believe happened. Obviously, January 6th was a terrible event. It was an awful event in American history. It was an insurrection. And I agree. I think we all do that anybody who participated in it uh, should certainly be held accountable and sent to prison. Uh, But the reality is Republicans have made their mind up about what the Democrats are, which is the opposite Option in terms of what party you want to belong to. The Democrats have been the party of inflation. They've been the party of baby formula shortages. They're the party of incompetence. So in November, Republicans will happily vote for their Republican nominee up and down the ticket.
2: I can feel that. I can also feel some Democrats voting up and down a Republican ticket this go around as well. Ed Sanders, how do you feel about these hearings? Um, you know,
1: I'm 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 glad that they're happening. I, I, you know, in the end game, it's good for the historical account. Um, What I think it shows and and to OJ's point is that, um, you know, the Republican Party is exactly who we think they are. Right. Uh, You know, their acceptance of what happened on January 6th is going to be a a stain on their uh, history as we go forward. And the problem is it could happen again. And I think you'll see Republicans, uh, you know, join in on that part.
2: Wait, when you say it could happen again and Republicans joining in, be specific. I mean,
1: look, in the end game, what what, what occurred on January 6 was there was an effort to discredit the election to overturn the election. There was yes, an event at the Capitol. But what you're seeing is that one party is very comfortable with what happened. There are some some conversations and people have made some statements, but thus far, they haven't called for the prosecutions of those that have been involved. In fact, the 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 perpetrator of this very crime is thinking about running again and still remains probably the the biggest figure in Republican politics. Yeah, it could happen again. Dr.
2: Omega, I know you're ready to get into the inflation and the lack of baby formula, and we will get to that, but I want to stick here to this January 6th uh, committee hearings. Um, The Republicans do look complicit.
0: No, Republicans don't look complicit, and this is a complete misreading of history as well as January 6th. You had Leader McConnell himself talk about how this was an awful event. He blamed Trump for it on the Senate floor. This was the most powerful Republican at the time and remains to be this day. And that's what he said on the Senate floor. Also, you have one of the co-chairs of this very committee, Representative Thompson, who voted against Bush's certification in 2004 when he was duly elected. So when Ed talks about this is a Republican issue, this is something that Democrats started some 20 years ago. Also, I want to make sure that we understand for the record, what I have said repeatedly over and over again about this commission is that it does not go with the full scope of political violence in this country. Just last week, we had people who consider themselves to be abortion rights activists try to kill Brett Kavanaugh, who is a Supreme Court judge. And yet there wasn't any talk about this in mainstream media because they're focused on January 6th. This is a broader problem that we have in the American public right now. And if we're going to be honest about it, we've got to approach it from all sides of the political spectrum.
2: Well, I, I, I not perhaps there wasn't a lot of conversation in the media or publicly about that, but there has been a policy passed to protect the Supreme Court justices. And I think this is something that the people have been asking for, policies to protect uh, these awful mass shootings and policies to protect our children at school. Um, And we've not gotten that, but quickly and right away, the Supreme Court justice gets a policy to protect them. So I think that the American people are quite concerned about how this system works for everybody who's at the top, but nobody who's at the bottom.
0: Well, I think the difference there is that you had explicitly activists on the left, Chuck Schumer himself, say that if the Supreme Court doesn't make the right decisions on these particular cases, that they're gonna have trouble come their way. So what happens? An activist tries to assassinate a Supreme Court judge. You It'll have people break. on social media really talking like about that. how it'd be good to take out some of these judges so that Biden could appoint more. This is the problem that we have in wow. American the politics. Wow, the false right?
3: equivalencies that you're doing. The, the talking the points are flying. It's incredible.
0: The it's talking in, point in, that a one man breath You say it.
3: that January 6th was terrible and the next breath you start the what aboutism and talking about inflation and baby formula. Okay, those things are bad, but the fact is we almost had our government overthrown and it's not on the same level. It's terrible that a crazy man threatened a Supreme Court justice. But what we're talking about now on January 6th is members of our government, sitting members of Congress, a sitting president advocating for the death of the sitting vice president, trying to stop the certification of a free and fair election. It is such a false equivalency. I don't even know where to start. And then you use the um, example of of, uh, violence against abortion, against abortion activists, that's a situation which is horrible. But certainly we know that through the long history of the debate about a woman's choice over her own body, the majority of the violence has been perpetuated by anti-abortion activists who have attacked doctors, who have attacked women, going to clinics to take care of their private business. So something terrible happens from the left and now you wanna wipe away literally decades of right-wing conservative violence against doctors, against women, against women's choice and create a false equivalency between one nut who's trying to attack a Supreme Court justice and a whole government, that's a whole administration I should say, that's trying to erase a free and fair election completely no, false equivalence. That's not my position and at all. The, t- the talking the points are just making my head hurt.
0: It's not my position at all, what you just said. But you what you just I said. said. That we have a problem with political violence in this country. And, and it's mostly on it. the right. It's not and mostly, it is mostly on the
2: right. I think whether it's on the right or the left, this is a definitely a bipartisan issue because America has a problem with violence, period. That's true. That's evident. And it seems that no one is trying to correct it in any fashion. And it's unfair to make comparisons of one violent act against another violent act, to be honest, when America, period, is the most violent country
3: that exists in the world. That's true, Tammy yeah. Mac. But if well, you look that. at the history of politically political violence, it is overwhelmingly On the right. The NRA tends to be controlled by far right wing conservatives. All of these um, abortion attacks on clinics and doctors, they're on the right. It's not it's we can't say there are fine people on both sides because the weather underground and the domestic
0: terrorism that they did throughout the 70s. I guess that was a right wing effort. The weather underground is not from the right wing. Again, okay, so you right are try to create both sides.
2: It's going to, to take both right sides, sides to diminish the violence that America is. Let's move on. The Federal Reserve is stepping up its uh war on inflation by raising interest rates by 0.75%, the largest increase in nearly three decades. This inflation, uh, I guess you're ready to talk about this, Dr. Oleka, but I'm gonna move it to Ed. This inflation is listen I went to get a burger and fries and it was $15 I can't take it I like I I I'm a, like <laughs> I don't even have children a burger and fries $15 this is ridiculous
1: the cost of living is is starting to suffocate families, and this is going to be the number one issue in the November ballot is how we address this. You could see that the Federal Reserve's take to move three quarters of a percentage point. That is a huge move by the Federal Reserve. And it's saying that the, this is a very real problem with the American economy and indeed with the global economy. So this is not the first. This is going to be one of several steps that, that economists are going to have to take. But we as a community need to be prepared because it foreshadows uh, some tough times as, as we go forward.
2: Yeah. Um, Dominique and uh, Dr. Oleka I definitely want you to get in here on this inflation because I think this is really concerning American families. We'll talk about it when we return after the break on Business of Being Black with Tammy Mack on Foxhole. Welcome back to Business of Being Black with Tammy Mack. I'm Tammy Mack and the Business of Being Black today is the week in review, politically and trending. And you know, politically and trending is the economy everything is up. Groceries, eggs are up by 17%. Gas is up by 12%. Flights are up. Rental cars are up. I mean, this economy is flying much faster than uh, the raise that some people got in uh, the minimum wage. Dominique, how do we feel about this?
3: Yeah, I mean, it's terrible. We have global inflation. We have inflation in the United States. It doesn't seem like there is a short-term fix. To Ed's point, uh, which is problematic for Democrats in the midterm, I think it's important for us to get this in perspective and understand that the pandemic has a lot to do with it. To pretend that we would not have any impact from the uh, supply chain problems and the pandemic, two years of business disruption. On top of that, you know, whatever the impacts of the war in Ukraine. That said, um, I think Ed is right. We're, most economists are saying we're looking at recession. It's time to save your money and, you know, circle your wagons. Mm. What does circle your wagons mean? Circle your wagons means don't go out on economic limbs. It's not the time to go buy that, you know, fancy Coat or or something that's not a necessity. It's time to separate the difference between wants and needs and stick to our needs. Uh, cash is king. I don't care what the Bitcoin people say. Save your money and make sure you have money to feed your kids. Yeah, well that, that will definitely
2: I would agree. Circle your wagons, uh, uh, Doctor OJ Oleka, Six dollars and eighty nine cent is the average gas in California, specifically where I am, Los Angeles. That's the average. It goes up in some areas. What are we going to do about this economy? I know you're blaming it all on Joe Biden.
0: Well, I mean, Dominique laid out the reasons uh, that the Democrats are going to try to say are the main culprits for why the economy is the way that it is. But you can just look back at the American Rescue Plan, which was a partisan vote in the House and the Senate when Biden came into office, that massive increase in spending, which Democrat economists, people who worked for Clinton, people who worked for Obama said, don't do this. We don't need to spend this much money. It's gonna lead to inflation. That was the thing that made this a structural issue. Yes, you have the pandemic and people are coming back. They wanna get back into action. You're gonna see an uptick in costs. We saw that, we talked about on this very show about how used cars, rental cars, that was where a lot of the inflation was. But then when you had this excess of spending, Well, then everything went up. And as you mentioned, gas is up to almost $7 in California, almost $5 in Kentucky. This is a problem for the American people. When you cannot purchase food at a reasonable rate, you cannot buy gas at a reasonable rate. For a lot of Americans who have to drive back and forth to work, sometimes 30, 45 minutes and miles for their commute, this is a real problem. And Democrats are going to pay for it in November and they should.
2: Yeah, I believe that. Um, Dominique, do you believe Democrats will pay for it in November?
3: I do. I believe we're already paying for it, but I think it's so disingenuous the way Republicans want to take credit for the American Rescue Package and the bipartisan, supposedly bipartisan, uh, infrastructure bill when it's convenient. But when it's not convenient, they want to put it all on Democrats. We needed the American Rescue Package. People were literally starving in the pandemic. People were without jobs, without resources, and I think it's amazing how Republicans are just fine splurging on on you know tax breaks for corporations and corporate welfare. But as soon as we spend money on the American people and helping to bail out kids literally through the Amer- the child tax credit, with li- which lifted four million American children out of poverty, oh, then it's inflationary. Spend away, you know, spend away on war, spend away on corporate tax breaks, but don't spend any money on the people. That's inflationary.
0: This is a fundamental misreading of the Republican position. And let me just respond to each point. (laughs)
3: Because I'm not following your talking points.
0: It's not about talking points. It's about history. Yes, the infrastructure bill was bipartisan. That is a different bill than the bill that passed on. I know it's a different bill,
3: but y'all try to take credit for American Rescue money, too.
0: Well, as as you like to say that I like to say, the soulmates need to know that those are two different bills because that's important for understanding the record. No Republican voted for the bill that led to the massive increase in spending. Yes, infrastructure is important. And when you point out to the uh, to the other topic about the child tax credit lifting four million kids out of poverty, I wonder where those kids are now when they cannot afford food. If Tammy Mac the, the Republican Party refused to authorize what are those families, of that those right. mothers those parents who have kids who are in that's college, on
3: that's on your party that tax again. credit
0: and they cannot afford the gas to take their kid to a daycare if they can even afford the daycare or the food that they eat and not to mention the baby formula that those mothers if they're poor if they're not breastfeeding cannot afford this is the biden economy this is what democrats have done and to run away from it you mentioned circling the wagons that's what the Democrats are doing for their own political futures. I think that Kevin McCarthy is, is eyeing the Speaker's chair. Leader McConnell is eyeing the majority in the Senate. And it's probably not going to stop in 2022. 2024, we will elect a Republican president because the Democrats have no idea how to govern.
2: Woo! Well, i tell you what. uh I'm speaking for the people because I am the people. We need another rescue plan. That's all I'm saying. We need another rescue plan. Rescue us, please. Uh, seems like Georgia Republican candidate Herschel Walker needs a little bit of rescuing himself. Uh, digs a deeper hole for himself day by day. He claimed to be in law enforcement and his campaign said he was an honorary deputy in Cobb County, along with three other Georgia counties. But the Cobb County Police Department has no record of involvement with Walker at all. Walker also said, I worked for law enforcement. Y'all didn't know that either. I spent time at Quantico at the FBI training school. Y'all didn't know I was an agent, but Walker spent a week uh, at Quantico for an obstacle course, which is not the same as training to be an agent. Uh, He has publicly criticized absentee fathers, particularly black fathers. Yet there are claims that he has a second son who has he has allegedly been estranged from since birth, and the mother sued Walker to obtain a declaration of paternity and child support. How problematic is Herschel Walker as a candidate here, uh, Ed?
1: You know, this we talked
0: about this. Little-
2: Hold that thought, Ed. O.J. O'Leka, let's go to you, Doctor O'Leka. The,
0: the, the- well, I think the issue is that Herschel Walker is trying Main to figure out what right it to be a candidate. And he's a first-time candidate. I think a lot of these mistakes his team will help him clean up. But ultimately, the voters in Georgia will make this determination. There are a lot of issues with Raphael Warnock uh, that came out during his campaign two years ago. and He was able to win. So there's not; it's not unprecedented to have a flawed candidate win an election. As we just talked about, Democrats are going to be on the ropes. So it's we'll see. It's not
2: unprecedented at all. It seems like today uh, you have to be flawed uh, to a high extent in order to become a candidate and a winner these days. Nothing really matters. I think R. Kelly can run for, uh, gov- uh, for a, a political office and win today. That's just how it's becoming in politics. At first, you have to be too perfect. And now, if you show a sign of perfectionism, you will not win. Uh, Dominique, go ahead.
3: I don't know if that's true for Black candidates, uh, Tammy Mack. I don't know that a Black uh, Trump makes it to the White House with, uh, you know, talking about grabbing people by the female parts and having, you know- Well, Dr. O'Lagan shared some issues that, that people had with Warnock. Yeah, but it's not on the level of Stormy Daniels and, you know, it's just not. I, the, the, the false equivalency and whataboutism, it doesn't hold. Black candidate is not going to go in the White House if, if they have all these problems. I, I don't know, you know- Herschel Walker, yeah, he's extra. He, maybe, maybe he can do it. He has the celebrity factor, but um, I think it's a cancer on the Republican Party to be the party of you know of of problematic relationships with women, of domestic violence, of sexual assault candidates. That's a problem, and it ran all throughout the Trump administration, and now we're seeing it in candidates that the former president is supporting. That's a problem. I cannot for the life of me understand why so many women, especially white women, continue to choose uh, privilege over gender in uh, and, and voting for Trump and Trump-like candidates, uh, such as Herschel Walker. I mean, you say claim to have a child, but the campaign has acknowledged that he does have this child. They just have some talking point minimizing it like, oh, well, you know, they're in touch and he supports them. But certainly it flies in the face of the rhetoric he's put forth about what fatherhood is supposed to be all about. Happy Father's Day, Herschel. Dr. Olaika,
2: I cut you off. So I wanted you to complete your thought.
0: Well, I mean, it's going to sound like it's a talking point, but it's not. Different states care about different things. And we honestly won't always know that until the election comes out. Roy Moore, Republican in Alabama, lost a Senate seat because people didn't like his character. In Georgia, we'll see if Herschel Walker can pull it off. Uh, We've got time until November.
2: Let's take a quick break and come right back on Business of Being Black with Tammy Mack. That's me. Welcome back to Business of Being Black with Tammy Mack. I am Tammy Mack. My Friday co-hosts are Dr. Oleka and Dominique DePrima, a political activist, or rather analyst. Ed Sanders uh, has technical difficulties, so he will rejoin us momentarily. According to the National Shooting Sports Foundation, Black gun ownership rose, uh, increased by 58% between 2019 and 2020, and the numbers are still the same in 2021. Why does... Black gun ownership matter today, Dr. Oleka. Uh,
0: Well, it matters today because uh, it should always matter for black folks and for every American. The second amendment applies to everybody. And I think it's a great thing that black uh, people have decided that they wanna purchase more guns. It's a great increase. Uh, They wanna keep themselves safe. They wanna uh, go out and shoot guns for sport, whatever the positive issue is. I think this is a good thing for the American people and certainly a good thing uh, for black people specifically.
3: Dominique? Well, the trend line in Black people buying guns has been rising starkly ever since uh, Trump got into office. It's interesting because during the Obama years, white folks were arming themselves. During the Trump years, you saw LGBTQ plus people, Latino people, and African Americans buying guns. I personally do not think that it is a coincidence that the rise of fascism and white supremacy in this country coincides with the rise of Black gun ownership. Come Burn across, I'm all on, mess around, see what happens to you. I think that Black people do have Second Amendment rights in theory. In reality, it's not always true in this country, but it makes sense that Black people are arming themselves. I'm also a big advocate of the Second Amendment. I, however, do feel like we've got to get some sensible uh, gun control in place, such as banning uh, semi-automatic weapons. That said, it makes total sense that Black people would be arming ourselves right now. Uh, Dr. Oleka,
2: do you feel like the violence uh, and the hate crimes is part of the reason why Black people are arming themselves at a higher rate now?
0: It certainly could be. uh, And obviously it it makes sense uh, in the fact that it would be if you look at your TV and you see uh, black folks getting attacked by random people just for being black and you decided to go be armed that certainly makes sense as something you should do i hate the fact uh, that that's why people would feel like it that they feel like their safety is in question but i think it is a good thing if they feel like they can uh, become educated as any american citizen should if they're going to be gun owners on what to do and then keep themselves safe i will say to dominique's points i think this is where uh, we agree we uh, we agree on the second amendment we also agree that it, there's got to be something done where we can lower gun violence. I believe there was an outline at the federal level of a way to reform some of the challenges that we've had with guns. It includes money to states with regard to increasing their red flag laws, as well as school safety and I believe some mental health improvements as well. So there is something happening at the federal level to help reduce gun violence, but also people are arming themselves in a way to hopefully keep themselves and their communities safer.
2: Yeah, I don't know if there's a way to do it unless we uh, try to follow suit of some other countries that um, seem to do pretty well when it comes to uh, the lack of violence in their world versus our world. Um,
3: America really has a problem. But Tammy, to your point, it's cultural, right? We use violence as a solution for everything. We glorify it in movies. We glorify it in music. And so some of it has to be a cultural shift. Um, and I do think, you know, that there are sensible gun controls that would make a difference. But a lot of it is a mentality. You know, we war is the answer for everything in the in the cowboy American mentality.
0: Listen to Dominique Deprima, Republican, talking about culture as an issue. And the Second Amendment is important. This really must be a bizarro land that we're in right now.
3: Ever heard of Ida B. Wells?
0: Very true. <laughs> I stand corrected. <laughs>
2: Listen, uh, I guess this world uh, that we live in called America was founded on violence, and (laughs) hence it will continue to plague our country, unfortunately. So, a Houston family is suing Texas Children's Hospital after their four year old son was given an unintentional vasectomy during a surgical procedure. How does this possibly happen? The family's attorney uh, said the child was supposed to have surgery for a hernia in the groin area, but also received a vasectomy. The family's biggest concern is how this might affect their child physically and emotionally. What are your thoughts on this? This is I just don't know how this mistake could be happened. You see a child. What makes you think that that this like you it seems like you should double check that situation. Y'all sure y'all want a vasectomy on the
3: baby. I don't know, Dominique. Yeah, I mean, look, hospital mistakes are far more common than we think. Um, and when you if you start googling and delving and researching, you're gonna find out, a grievous mistakes happen in hospitals all the time, but this is over the top. Who gives a vasectomy to a four-year-old? It's <laughs> ridiculous. I mean, look, all of these are cautionary tales. You know, you got to be an advocate for yourself, for any patient, whether it's a parent or a child that's in the hospital. You got to watch them like a hawk. The squeaky wheel gets the grease, but really. A vasectomy for a four-year-old? Who knows so that sorry. Who knows that, that mistake is going to happen? Who
2: in no. their right mind thinks, well, I know he's going to get that hernia out of his groin, but make sure you don't do a vasectomy on my four-year-old. Like, how could that possibly come up? Why would a doctor or even a nurse or a practitioner think that this was a good decision and to not double check that chart if that was where the mistake lied, Dr. Oleka?
0: Well, they weren't thinking. Clearly, the question is why weren't they thinking? And uh, I've got a close family member who, who is a, a doctor in Texas. They, they don't know anything about this particular story, but uh, based on the way that they explain medicine now, it's all about volume. Is in you get more and more people in, more and more patients, because that's how you get more and more dollars. And so you can imagine a situation where you have a group of people working with this patient, maybe not paying attention, maybe not charting properly, and they don't get the right information down. So you shovel this patient in like they're a widget, and all of a sudden you start operating, and then you look up and you say, oops, we performed a vasectomy when we shouldn't have. I mean, to Dominique's point, the fact that it ha- happens as often as it does, these egregious mistakes tells you that there is an issue with the way medicine is being done in this country. Again, it's not new. We certainly know that, but if, if I was this parent, uh, I would absolutely be grieving for my child. I would be grieving for my grandchildren uh, in the sense that this vasectomy Occurred obviously there are implications there, uh, but they better sue everybody involved in this system, uh, so that they can at least get some sort of reprieve and symbol damages.
2: Uh, vasectomy a re- reverse though,
3: right? Uh, yeah, I think that some in some cases a vasectomy can be reversed. Um, sometimes it works, sometimes it doesn't. I don't know about for four year old. I'm not a doctor, but this is one of those rare cases again where OJ and I agree, Dr. Oleka and I agree that the medical system is problematic, of course we don't agree on the solution. To me, the fact that we have a predatory capitalist model of medicine is the problem. These kinds of issues would be much less prevalent if it wasn't an assembly line where it's all about volume. If we had Medicare for all, that would solve some of these problems. And I think we need to move in that
0: direction.
2: Yeah, sad that patients are commodity.
0: It away. is absolutely sad. I think part of that solution is making sure that patients and doctors have more time. Because again, I, I want to be fair here to the physicians. It's often not the physicians or the actual practitioners who are saying, let's get people in and out like cattle and like widgets. It's, it's often the hospital administrator. Sometimes these are dictated. It's the, the insurance companies. That's exactly right. Jinx insurance, you, you are 100% correct. Exactly. If we can work out those issues in the system, I think you can have more time for doctors with patients and these types of outcomes that uh, won't occur.
2: Yeah. And I was concerned that my uh, Uber Eats went to the wrong address twice in one day. <laughs> and I was like, this is a problem. You know, they're trying to get in as many as many rides and, and orders that they can, and they're not watching what they're doing. Uh-huh. Was that the $15 burger, Tammy? <laughs> <laughs> that wasn't even the $15 burger. That, my friend, was the, the $30 soup. Okay. <laughs>
0: Ooh. Ooh. You better have some healing qualities in it.
2: <laughs> Here is one for the book, since we're talking about insurance now. Uh, according to Fox Business, Geico was ordered to pay out $5.2 million to a woman who caught a sexually transmitted disease in a policy holder's car is this story like how does she get 5 million dollars and how do you determine even that it was the car that gave you the disease and not the person <laughs> that she was having the sex with in the car i'm totally confused Mind blown over this whole uh, story, but we're going to talk about it in depth when we return on Business of Being Black with Tammy Mac on Fox Soul. Don't go anywhere because uh, I'm I'm gonna have to start having sex in some cars here. Get paid. <laughs> <laughs> Welcome back to Business of Being Black with Tammy Mac. I am Tammy Mac. So let's talk about this Geico story. So the woman sues Geico because she gets a sexually transmitted disease. In a car of a policy holder. So she's not even the policy holder. Like, how much do you think uh, this is going to go through? Will she get this $5 million check, Dr. Oleka?
0: <laughs> well, if she's suing Geico, uh, there's certainly going to have to be discovery. They're going to have to figure out uh, how she has decided that she is owed this money. Uh, if she hasn't already gotten it, uh, then I think it's going to be pretty difficult to determine how she will. Geico probably just wants this to go away. Uh, they probably don't want this story, but it is Geico. I don't, so it interesting commercials before.
2: I don't think it was a settlement. I think it was a case that she won and Geico is appealing that
0: case. Well, I, I, I think that they'll continue to appeal that uh, as much as they can. It really, if anything, from the legal side, if she's not a policyholder and it introduces this idea that private companies, uh, private insurers, have to provide uh, redress for folks that are not policyholders. That could be a, a bigger problem. So they'll probably try to go at it from that angle, uh, but we shall see.
2: Well, technically, if I have a wreck and we have a wreck and I'm not a policyholder, I can still sue your insurance company. So it falls in line with people suing in insurance companies, I would imagine.
1: Uh, Ed? It just seems like an interesting case, right? You know, this, this doesn't have anything to do with, say, a car accident, meaning a, a collision um now That's if you can hold an accident yeah 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 an accident in the car but um it, it's interesting to see what could happen you know and and then you kind of extrapolate it out right if if a policy holder can be sued and, and the insurance cover has to cover it there now let's talk about gun and gun control uh because if if, if you can Set a settlement against a car insurer for for this sort of behavior. You can now sue against a gun holder for uh, not uh, for negligence or not controlling where their gun is or any wrongdoing there. So there's there's a slippery slope here that'll be interesting to see how this plays out.
2: There is a slippery slope. That's a thought to sue. But do would you sue the gun company? Like would I sue Smith and Wesson because I was shot by a Smith and Wesson?
1: Well, there's a couple of policy thoughts out there now where I think in particular, in California, where we're contemplating having uh, gun owners have to have liability insurance for the possession of a gun. Um, And one of the big talking points and one of the big debate sticking points is whether or not you can actually insurers would actually insure gun holders for for, you know, that sort of danger. Um, So ultimately, you know, big questions to be answered.
2: Yeah, you took it there. I mean, we were just talking about simple STDs. You took it to gun control. But okay,
3: (laughs) Dominique. (laughs) Yeah, but I mean, what Ed's saying, there is precedent for that. People suing companies for harm done by their products. But I need to see this GEICO policy. Does it cover everything I do in the car? Like, so if I eat some bad fish in the car and get an upset stomach, I can sue you for that. If, you know, if I smoke some weed in the car and it's not really good, I can sue them for that. I mean, what is this policy that covers everything you do in the car? Not just collision right? Uh, This is comprehensive beyond beyond comprehensive. To me, it doesn't seem justifiable because it doesn't have anything to do with auto safety. It doesn't have anything to do with, as you pointed out, a collision. And I think not just Geico, but other corporations are going to push back hard because as Ed pointed out, they're already being sued for actual effects of their products. You deciding to have sex with some dude that has an STD in his car really isn't Geico's fault. So I'm wondering, is
2: that what happened? Did did the dude have the STD and gave it to her, or is she saying that there was some STD remnants on the car that got into her? I'm just the not- car infected her. Uh, I think that's a stretch. <laughs> <laughs> I was just trying to figure it all out. Okay. (laughs) Uh, Monique reportedly settled her lawsuit against Netflix that accused the streaming service of uh, racially and sexual discrimination and allegedly making her a lowball offer for a proposed comedy special. What are your thoughts uh, on this lawsuit finally coming to an end? And how much do you think Monique settled for? Let's talk about the money, honey. Ed, what's your thoughts on this Monique deal?
1: Um, you know, I, I hope that she settled for an amount and, and whatever that amount is, I hope she's comfortable with it. I mean, the bigger point is the point that she was making. Um, and I think uh, particularly African-American women have to deal with this um, time and time and again, where uh, there is just this discrepancy and this disparity in offers made. We see it in, in wage and in payment for wages, payment for services. Um, this is a this is a larger issue that that I'm actually very happy that Monique has settled. I hope it it is. I hope it is a a stinging settlement. I hope it's one that teaches Netflix to um, value uh, products and services put forward by Black women on the same level as they do as others.
2: Look, I'm just surprised it's an undisclosed uh, amount because I didn't know Monique could be quiet about anything. Uh,
1: so no, I'm, I'm completely yeah. shocked. Look, you oh, you say that. That's
2: good. <laughs> um, listen, I'm 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 just sticking to the facts here. It's not my opinion. Uh, you know, I I I just can't believe that Monique is saying and is not saying. Look, Netflix paid me 5.2 million dollars for you know lowballing me this funky 500,000. And I told y'all I was right. And I've been telling y'all from the beginning, I'm totally surprised that they actually got her to sign some a non-disclosure agreement that makes her shut up. That that seems the impossible for me, Dominique. Well, still early,
3: Timmy Mac. We just heard about this settlement. She could still talk about it. But that also makes me think the amount's gotta be significant. If I'm gonna agree not to disclose, I probably got paid... My hope here, two things, Tammy, a lot of people in the the industry laughed at Monique for that and said, hey, you weren't worth the money, stop whining. Well, she has the last laugh because she's getting paid. I hope that this is going to help other performers of color, other Black women, uh, not to get lowballed. I'm sure that Netflix would have rather paid the money that they paid in that settlement for an actual special that they could profit off of rather than just paying for a discrimination suit. So I'm hoping that this is going to help others that are trying to get a fair deal and get actually equal pay for the work that they do in Hollywood, because we know this continues to be a problem, particularly for black women, for particularly for black performers, but uh, for, you know, performers of color in general as well. Well, this is what Monique has been saying all
2: along. I'm doing this for black sisters. Uh, You know, I I love y'all. And uh, this has been her fight the whole time. Uh, And most people have said yes, but are you worthy of the amount that you were asking for? So I want to make clear that she never asked for an amount. So the problem with this law, the the problem with uh, the negotiations between Netflix and Monique was the fact that they offered her $500,000, a half a million dollars. And she said, hey, look, y'all lowballing me. This is discriminatory. And then they shut down negotiations. The negotiations never even began. And usually when there are negotiations involved, you put out a price and then someone counters that offer. Her team was never able to counter the offer, which is normal and typical um, and protocol for the entertainment industry. And that's one of the reasons why she won, because they were never allowed to open a negotiation. Dr. Aleka?
0: Very rarely do I agree with both Dominique and Ed, but this is one of those rare instances. And and everything they've said, I think, is absolutely on point. Same thing with you, Tammy Mack. I think Netflix has to be careful here. I mean, they've got this issue with Monique that's resolved, but they're out a lot of money for it. They got bad press out of it. And also there are those reports that they laid off a bunch of uh, creatives of color. I mean, they're they're having a real issue here with how they are seemingly relating to black folks and providing good job opportunities for people of color broadly. So they've got to be careful in what their company looks like going forward or they could find themselves uh, in some hot water even more so.
2: Yeah, yeah. Um, I, but I think we all believe that Monique deserves a fair amount of money for a Netflix special more than what was offered. Could we agree on that or no? Ed?
1: I think so. I, you know, I, I would I would also add I'm, I'm concerned about the timing of the settlement, you know, and, and discovery in a legal process is an important role Um because she could have asked for discovery on other projects that have come forward. And they may have settled ahead of time. I I don't know the timing of, 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 or what has already occurred in the discovery there, but if there are other African-American female projects that Netflix could be liable for her settlement actually could hurt that, that this prop, this case. So, um, you know, I I just point that out.
2: Yeah. The judge has dismissed the lawsuit. Now that there has been a settlement we'll come right back on business of being black. We'll, we, we will come right back on Business of Being Black with Tammy Mack on Fox Soul. Welcome back to Business of Being Black with Tammy Mack. I'm Tammy Mack. Hello, everybody. So, okay, Joe Budden has social media buzzing again after sports analyst, one of my very, very, very favorite sports analysts, Ryan Clark, decided to say that um, Chris Brown was better than Michael Jackson. I mean, honestly, people, honestly. This argument is really an argument for fodder. It's an ardu- uh, uh, an argument for attention. Uh, it's simply attention seeking argument. That's what it is. Uh, I don't even know any statistics that could make that statement true. Um, but I'll give it to you, Dr. Oleka. Maybe you think Chris Brown is better than Michael Jackson.
0: I don't even think that Chris Brown is better than Usher, who's not better than Michael Jackson. <laughs> So, this did
2: you is. Say, oh, did you say Usher, who is now better than Michael Jackson?
0: No, I said Chris Brown is not even better than Usher, who is not better than Michael Jackson. Okay. Okay. Michael Got Jackson it. is in a level of his own. And I think you're right. I think this is just to generate buzz to say that Chris Brown is anywhere close to, to Michael Jackson. And I like some of Chris Brown's songs, I like some of his music, but he can't uh, hold a candle uh, to one of the greatest entertainers of all time.
2: Listen, Chris Brown has two number one hits. Literally, two number one hits. Uh, We can't compare him to anybody, if you ask me. He's not better than Mariah Carey, if that's what we're talking about. Go ahead, Ed.
3: Or maybe not. Well, you should have gone to me anyway, because I'm a big Chris Brown fan. Okay. Uh, That said, I do think that you know Michael Jackson is iconic. He's on a certain level in terms of how many hits he's had, in terms of his impact on the culture, uh, just as an iconic person. But I think if you put it in the context of today and what he's talking about is talent. He didn't say he had more number one hits. Chris Brown is an incredible dancer. He's a great singer he might not have had all the number one hits but he's had a steady stream of hits and he is a major talent who i believe is very highly underrated you you scared me i thought you was going to say who
2: i believe is better than michael jackson well you know <laughs> that's a high bar but um, I, I put it him really, in the <laughs> know. it really is a high bar to set from in, for for any artist listen I'm, I'm a fan of Chris Brown as anyone else, not the biggest fan of Chris Brown, but I do enjoy his dancing. I do enjoy his music. uh, And, you know, it, it
3: all sends me crazy. Also Tammy Mack, can I say Chris Brown is a community activist? People don't know because he does it quietly behind the scenes, but he donates a lot of money and time to urban peace initiatives and stopping community violence. I think that's a great
2: point to uh, make people aware of because I think people don't know that side of Chris Brown. So thank you for bringing it to our attention. Michael Jackson was just as well. Um, But anytime, this is my barometer for who is better than Michael Jackson. Until you have people in China and Japan and Africa chasing after you, and passing out at your concerts where literally you have to have ambulance on duty, you are not better than Michael.
0: Well, Jack. he's
3: talking about talent, not popularity.
0: Well, but here here's here's what I would offer too, because we talk about this in sports all the time. And do Chris Brown's songs stand the test of time? Thirty years from now, will people be singing Chris Brown songs? Yes. Because people we'll are still singing songs from Michael. Jackson. <laughs> we don't
2: know the answer to that yet. We don't really I mean I sing Who I still love Who Run It. <laughs> <laughs> so so maybe I don't know. How how old is Who Run
0: It? Uh, <laughs> like 10 years old. Okay. No, maybe like 15 years 20. old. But it's not I mean it's not Billy Jean. It's not Thriller. It's not some of these the greatest songs of all time if you're talking about pop culture and what made people popular and excited. Uh, And that's, it's just, I think it's a different level. Again, I like Chris Brown, but I just can't see, I can't see 30 years from now, uh, people listening to his music the way that we listen to Michael Jackson right now.
3: OJ, keep Breezy's name out your mouth. (laughs) (laughs) But I
2: also, I also think, and when you talk about, people are talking about their talent, um, I also think that Michael Jackson's talent surpasses Chris Brown. I mean, it's the reason why he has or had so much popularity. And in a world where Chris Brown's popularity can uh, overwhelmingly beat Michael Jackson just based off of social media numbers, it still doesn't. You know what I mean? And, And Michael Jackson's talent surpasses that of anyone, if you look at his videos in the creativity in that if you look at um his concerts and how those concerts were arranged i mean thriller is still the number one video and album of all time uh so i just i i just can't even really i mean chris brown gets his dance moves from michael jackson i'm sure even chris brown is tired of this argument and will say himself i am not better than michael jackson i am inspired by michael jackson No comment? Okay. Shh. <laughs> did I just drop the mic did I hold on did I just Dominique gave me a directive I'm not allowed
0: to talk about Chris Brown <laughs>
2: oh, <laughs> oh, yeah. okay, okay. okay. I love a man who listens to a woman <laughs> you, know, <I> understand. <laughs> you do not understand just how good that is in life <laughs> um, okay so let's end with some black girl magic um, Melody Hobson will become the first black woman to have an ownership stake in an NFL team now Hobson currently serves as aerial investment co-CEO, chair of the board of Starbucks, and is also a director of uh, J P Morgan Chase as well. She's also married to Star Wars creator George Lucas. Now, I did this story on my radio show, and some listeners said that it doesn't count because she's married to a white man. And if it were not for George Lucas, she wouldn't have ownership in this NFL team. What are your thoughts about that, Dr. Oleka?
0: Well, I I think that's wrong. I think it takes away from her accomplishments as a black woman. I think it takes away from her accomplishments as a woman and as an individual, unless it was literally George Lucas uh, who got the ownership and said, I'm going to transfer it to her and there's nothing you all can do about it. And she's getting this because of me, then that's something different. But if she's going out saying, this is something I want to do. I want to be a part owner of an NFL team. I want to contribute to the game. That's her. That's her success. And I, I, think, I think it's a it's strange
3: venture. I think it's the both of them as a married couple, as a team. But, but Melody Hobson is one of the most respected and powerful business executives in this country, period. Man or woman, black or white, having nothing to do with her marriage. She sits on major corporate boards. That is just ignorant. It's the kind of thing they would never say about a man. It's the kind of thing they're saying because they haven't done the research. They don't know who Melanie Hobson is. So they think that. Her entirety of her life is her marriage to George Lucas. And that's not true. Look, if you're mad that she's married to a white guy, maybe you didn't get your shot. I understand that. But don't take away her accomplishments because of your assumptions. But the question does remain in some
2: Black people's mind. If George Lucas were not a part of of this ownership deal, would Melody Hobson have had a chance? Look, let's face it. The answer is we yes. Had, we've, we've had black, we've had black men. I mean, uh, I, I believe it was Magic Johnson, Kanye West, and Byron Allen all up for the ownership of an NFL team. This this very one, if I'm not mistaken, and d- it did not happen.
3: So, But but this deal is a package deal with a lot of other investors, not just her. So maybe if she was the primary, she'd run into the same problems as Byron Allen. But I still think that it reflects ignorance because you don't know Melanie Hobson's, You don't know her portfolio. So you're assuming it's just the Star Wars thing because that's what you're familiar with. That diminishes her accomplishments. What do you think about that, Dr. Oleka?
0: I agree 100 percent. Again, this is very rare that I agree with Dominique on stuff, but the good news is it seems to happen when we're defending black women, which unfortunately we've had to do far too often today because people just don't know what they're talking about. It it absolutely diminishes the capability of a human being when you say because of the person that they're married to, they cannot accomplish what they have accomplished. It is even worse when it is a black woman because she's married to a powerful white man. I think it's a disgusting, awful thing. We don't diminish uh, the skill set and the ability of the vice president of the United States because of who she's married to. So I don't think you should do it in this instance either when you have a woman who is incredibly capable in her own right, who is an absolute leader in her industry and field, and now is an owner in the NFL. So uh, happy for her. Uh, Black girl magic is strong. Well,
2: that concludes The Business of Being Black with Tammy Max. Stick around for Claudia Jordan and TGIF on Fox Soul. See y'all later.